Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today, we're doing a double feature on both Crawl and Stuber, and I'm happy to be joined by recurring guest Daniel Lima to talk about both of these. Daniel, thanks for being here. Hey, what's up? Good to be here. Yeah, so first we're going to talk about Crawl, which is the newest film from French director Alexandre Aja, which, uh, even though he's French, it, uh, the movie is set in the home state for both Daniel and I, which is Florida. And it is about a University of Florida swimmer named Haley, University of Florida being my alma mater, who, who is uh, just living her life up in Gainesville, and all of a sudden there is a Category 5 hurricane that is going right up the middle of the state, which happens from time to time in Florida, and she is from Pasco County, which is a a rural county north of uh, Tampa, and her dad is not answering her sister's phone calls, so she has to go back to check on her dad, which entails driving right into the heart of a Category 5 storm, and, you know, your first reaction might be, that seems a little unrealistic, but believe it or not, there are people that will just drive through a Category 5 storm in Florida without really thinking twice about it. She uh, is goes to, goes to the, her, not her dad's house, but the house she grew up in, which her parents are trying to sell because they're getting divorced. She can't really find her dad there. Turns out her dad uh, was trying to fix a pipe in the house crawl space and was attacked by an alligator and she finds herself stuck down there with him as the crawl space begins to flood and they got to deal with a bunch of crawling creatures while they're in a crawl space. Daniel, I first want to ask you, well, there's actually a lot to talk about this with since we're both so familiar with Florida, but you're also uh, fairly familiar with films of this genre. So I guess I guess what I'll first ask you is uh, to, if you can talk a little bit about uh, why you were excited when you saw a new Alexandra Ajara movie was coming out and what your relationship was with him as a director and thus what you thought when you saw that he was going to make a movie about killer alligators set in Florida. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really seen – I haven't seen too much of his stuff before this movie. I had seen Horns, a movie that I don't remember. I remember the poster, and that's about it. Uh, beyond that, uh, before, when I was preparing to watch you know, Crawl, I went back and I saw High Tension, which was uh, one of those uh, you know, early 2000s slashers, really grisly, terrible ending. Um, but, you know, it, it, the man showed like a real command of horror even at that time. Well, so, so I'm guessing you really like Crawl then because we were talking uh, earlier this week and you said, oh, man, I wish I'd gotten to come on the Midsummer pod with you so I could have just gotten to talk a bunch of shit about how Aja is way better than Ari Aster. So, I mean, if your only basis for that is Crawl, I'm guessing you really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed this movie. Crawl is fucking great. I love it. This, uh, truthfully, I don't know that it's, I wouldn't call it like absolutely stellar, but it's a movie that it's so in command of what it wants to be uh, that it just elevates it. It's what I call it. It's the kind of movie that is it's so just good. It's great. <laughs> well, so just good. It's great. So I guess, I guess what I'll start then is like, um, would could this movie have been set anywhere and you would have enjoyed it just as much or was there something about it being set in central florida which is where you live that helped you connect with it a little more truthfully i don't think that the central florida part really matters too much since they're all stuck in a basement i'll admit that like everybody in the audience was rolling their eyes as the moment she found like a cellar door in a house in florida you know 
that well, doesn't, apparently, I just said that he did some research, and a lot of houses do have crawl spaces in Florida. Now, if I, I'm not really that familiar with it, and believe it or not, my family lost our house in Hurricane Ivan in 2004 and had to rebuild the rebuild our house, and it is up on piling. So we have the opposite of a crawl space in what the house that I uh, I don't want to say grew up in because it didn't get rebuilt until I was a junior in high school, but the house that my family calls home literally has the opposite of crawl space. It is built on piling. So I don't know how familiar how, how common these types of houses are that have crawl spaces are in central Florida. But I think there was something very Florida about someone really not thinking twice about like running to check on a family member in a category five hurricane. Like, oh yeah. No, no, no. That, like, that, that like, rang, that rang true. Like Floridians like, are stupid, man. And in these horror movies that like are largely about creatures at the same time, like uh, minimal time is going to be spent on, you know, giving like the deepest backstory to a family, even if they are going to draw on that for some drama throughout parts of the film, you know, you're only, you, and especially when a movie, aspires to get in and out in 87 minutes like this one which i respect very much you can uh, you can you can only spend so much time going like deep on who these are as who these people are uh on the inside and uh even just having that person being willing to fearlessly go through a category five hurricane to check on a family member tells you a lot about who they are as a person and uh how they were shaped by where they were raised so uh kudos to the french guy for picking up on that if nothing else the the, the movie was actually uh written by two guys named michael and sean rasmussen so i i really i tried to look up a little bit about them and couldn't really learn anything so i'm curious uh where they're from but uh, that's besides the point but still i do think that uh obviously i guess first and foremost this is a creature movie but like i should ask like do you think it was necessary to set it during a hurricane yeah i think that it actually provided some you know interesting set pieces that i haven't really seen in a movie like this before actually to i'm gonna admit to prep for this i did watch a handful of other crocodilian horror movies <laughs> i have already seen i already seen alligator from 1980 which i think is a highlight of the genre huh. uh i saw i've seen uh i believe it was killer crocodile which was an italian movie from i believe 1978 or 79 to prep for this i saw primeval which was the 2007 movie about Gustav the Crocodile, a real-life crocodile who's claimed to have killed hundreds of people in Africa. Man, well, I appreciate and, you putting so much effort into oh, yeah. this. It's way more and, effort than I put in. And I saw a, a giant alligator, which was a 70s creature feature from uh, Sergio Martino, normally a great director, and he put out a stinker there. Same with Primeval. But the other two are great. Anyways. Well, when you think about, I'm, when you think about, like, movies about killer creatures like we've had a lot of uh we've had more snake movies than i can count more shark movies than i can count i almost put like i mean sharks aren't reptiles but like i mean i do put like sharks snakes and alligators i do kind of think classify them similarly and that like all of them are like creatures that we are afraid of but maybe aren't actually like their natural prey but they will still be used as like uh scary creatures in movies but i feel like there have been like fewer well-known alligator movies and uh, they are like a while they are you can't find them anywhere from Florida to Georgia to all the way to, as west as Texas like they are distinctly Florida creatures so you know what what were your thoughts on like before you like did this deep dive on like alligators as an animal as far as like something to be scared of or just in general like uh, spending as much time as you did growing up in Florida did you have any just general thoughts on like the, them as a device to be used within the context of a horror movie well, uh, I didn't really, I gotta admit, me myself, I'm not too afraid of 
crocodiles and alligators. I think it's just a product of living, you know, not too far within driving distance of a theme park where you can go and just sit on a huge alligator, you know, feed of Gatorland. I'm talking about Gatorland's right, like, you know, maybe like a half hour away from where I live. So, you know, uh, I, I, I they don't seem like frightening creatures in real life to me, but I do think that they represent a sort of, you know, intrusion on our, uh, how we like to see ourselves, you know, we're a civilized society, this and that. And here we've got, you know, creatures that look like they walked right out of the Jurassic period hmm. and they're living right next to our homes. They go into our ponds and our pools. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, there's a, there's a nice, you know, what I like about them as a, you know, horror villain, so to speak, is they represent the, you know, wild intruding upon our own space. Well, you know, it's, what, I, what I think is interesting about them is that, like, which I don't actually think the movie utilizes. And, like, believe me, I, I like the movie a lot, and I was still pretty scared throughout. But I think what makes them kind of unique is that they are, like, equally – they're, they're like, equally, like – potentially deadly both on land and in sea uh mm. or, or in water and yep. they, they really actually aren't like all that effective uh in this movie unless they are in water which i thought was an interesting choice it's just one thing that kind of kind of sets them apart from like sharks or something like that but you know uh, one thing that impressed me so much about this movie was that like even though these are well first of all i i mentioned those other creatures like i'm someone that's like you want to think of like some of the, those creatures where they begin with s whether it be snakes sharks spiders i'm like deadly afraid of all of the above I, I, and I, and I grew up on the Gulf coast. Uh, if you, uh, research, like if you just Google Jesse Arbogast, he's a kid that like, ha like had his arm bit off and on Pensacola beach, uh, by, by a shark. And, uh, it was just lost so much blood and oxygen that like he was ended up becoming like mentally disabled. And I was just always afraid to go in the water. I mean, I, 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 I from time to time, I might go in the water, at Pensacola beach, but like, I was just like, there's just like no upside to that. Like, yeah, I like dolphins, but like there might be a shark there. I'm not going in the water. Like there's that. Uh, snakes just weird me out. But alligators are different in that I actually lived in a house in law school for three years that was on a pond uh, or a lake in Gainesville that just had alligators there. And I would have alligators come and like just chill in my backyard. And like you can, you can get relatively close to them and they weren't like really pay any, they wouldn't really pay any attention to you. You could take a picture of it. It was whatever. And I, so I guess like, I, and I, I grew up always enjoying alligator exhibits at zoos and stuff. And I guess that combined with them just living right next to them for a while and having them hang out in my backyard, like I just wasn't afraid of them. So coming to this movie, I just got, I was just really impressed by like how effectively, like, I mean, obviously a lot of it goes to Aja's, you pronounce it Aja or Aja? I genuinely have no idea. Okay. I'll call him Aja. Uh, this is really unprofessional, <laughs> not, to, not to look that up beforehand. But, I mean, it goes to his direction that, like, I was that scared of them. But also, like, just, I mean, good on the movie for, like, I mean, making these creatures pretty scary when they're, like, pr totally CGI also, you know? Oh, yeah. The fact that – see, at first I was – a little disappointed to see, you know, the CGI alligators because, you know, uh, the best entries into the genre I feel are uh, practical, uh, alligator, killer crocodile, because they, they possess like a physical heft that's really, really hard to replicate, you know, when they're weightless computer constructions, you know, but... Well, how does that work in those I'd other movies? Like, do they train the alligators? So they usually will have uh, either like a prosthetic, like, you know, like jaw, like Bruce from Jaws. Uh, they have like a prosthetic for like 
close-up shots but then they'll also use like a live alligator in like you know insert shots or gotcha. whatever they'll have a they'll have a big alligator walking down like a model street or something like that in order to convey that this is a large alligator you know there, there are ways around normally though it's just really good prosthetics that really grab my attention um but here what i love is that while at first i was a little disappointed i found that the fact that they were cg did allow for you know sequences that you just couldn't be able to replicate you couldn't be able to replicate uh the same sort of like when the uh alligators are like really in close proximity when they're sharing shots with the actors and, you know, putting them into their death twists. And, you know, that's something that you couldn't do with practical effects. Uh, And then as the action ramps up, which I love about this, but we'll get to that in a moment. As the action ramps up, the CG allows for the gators to play an organic part of the movie without having to worry about how you shoot around, you know, fake looking ass alligators. (laughs) I do, by the way, I want to, I do want to take a moment and say that even though, this is at heart, you know, a movie about killer alligators. I want to commend the uh, the duo who hold down the movie. Uh, I believe it's Chaos Godelario and the dude Barry Pepper. Who I don't know Barry Pepper from other works, but you've K, never uh, seen Barry Pepper before. Uh, I I know I have Twenty Fifth Hour. In, yeah, he's in Twenty Fifth Hour. He's in Sixty One. Saving Private Ryan. He's in I believe the True Grit remake. Yeah, I don't remember. But, I don't actually don't remember. Oh yeah, I think he played like a weaselly type of dude in the True Grit remake. Yeah, I think he played the sniper, somebody told me, but and he was in all the Maze Runner movies. But I genuinely have no idea who she, he is. I was, couldn't she, recognize she him. She was in the Maze Runner movies. I actually didn't remember him in the Maze Runner movies, which is funny. Uh, so that's kinda, See, that I actually to be I forgot she was in the Maze Runner movies. I remember her as Effie from Skins, the British TV show from uh-huh. like the last decade. Yeah. Yeah, I remember her from Skins. Uh, I'm going to admit the characters in this film are not – the most, you know, nuanced, you know, there's a daughter who, you know, is feels like uh, estranged from her father. She goes to check on him and then they're just basically thrown into this life threatening situation that takes up most of the screen time. So there's not a whole lot to go off of, but their performances really do sell the relationship between the two. It makes you really feel for them. It makes you really want to see them make it out of this alive. And that's really, really important in a movie like this, where the horror is so constrained to one location. Were they a little too, um, did they, did they border too much on having superhero strength with regards to their reactions to alligator bites? Did that take you out of the movie at all? Um, No, not really. Part of it might be that, I mean, this is one of the, you know, I have to say Mark's against the movie. It's just the fact that, yeah, when it's a CG alligator, it doesn't feel like they're getting bit, you know. Mm. Uh, They're selling the reaction. The gore is great. Uh, Aja is a guy who, you know, he was associated with the new French extremity movement, which was, you know, known for its pronounced gore. And it's certainly visceral here, which I love. But you know, there's still like a sort of, you know, separation because at the end of the day, you know that they're not sharing that physical space with anything. Uh, so I don't, I, 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 plus, I mean, people have survived alligator bites before. I think we actually know someone who was bitten by a crocodile, had to get airlifted to another country to get the surgery done and, you know, live to tell about it. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I it didn't really bother me too much. Yeah, no, especially I, because the horror is just so you know yeah, well implemented. Yeah, I guess you shouldn't get too caught up in on that kind of thing in horror movies. But at a certain point, I was like, man, like she's like not getting, she's not like slowing down at all. At least it seems like he's like kind of, <laughs> at least he's like kind of limping or something, and he has like a freaking compound fracture, but he, he's still able to like some somehow get around. So, but I mean, I I, I do agree though, where it's like. Like I was saying earlier, like you, when there's only going to be so much of the script devoted to like actually like developing these characters as people, it's on them to make the most of it with their expressions and how they react in certain situations. And I, I certainly uh, bought without there being much on the page that she would want to go to these lengths for her dad, despite uh, it being a family that had obviously gone through some tough times. And I think that's all you can really expect from them. And that was uh, pretty impressive on uh, Caius Scolidario's part. As, as far as uh, Barry Pepper, I, I, I agree. I mean, like uh, he spends so much of the movie just like, not even really moving all that much actually so he's just like there's a little bit with the flashbacks with him teaching her swimming and stuff like that but i i mean i kind of bought him as just like this like central florida somewhat of a redneck guy but also i mean tough enough to like kill a gator when he's uh hobbled i mean mm. i it, a guy like that could easily come across as kind of cartoonish and it, it didn't get to that point for me which is which which is uh, uh a big compliment to him in my opinion Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean that, that kind of go. I mean, he, the guy freaking kills an alligator with a shovel. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you were saying how you were really impressed by some of the action in this movie. Was, was there were there any sequences that really stood out to you, or what were you overall most impressed with with how I was able to actually kind of convey this tension and uh, create these scares with these CGI gators? Well, what I appreciate about this movie is that while at first it's you know confined, it's okay to get into a little bit of spoiler territory here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're in a you know a crawl space, you know, very confined area. Uh, it's uh, a hurricane's going on outside, and it's slowly flooding. And the movie wrings a lot of tension out of the fact that you know at one point, like these guys need to make it out the crawl space before they drown, but the caters are there patrolling the waters about to feast as soon as they get the opportunity, uh, and it creates like a very claustrophobic. Uh, survival horror kind of feel mm -hmm. where they have to take the time to think about how they're going to make it around this space, make it around these adversaries. It's really great. And then once they actually do, the movie doesn't stop. The movie follows them up the house. It go, they try well, to venture outside. Let me, let me, let me cut you off for a second. What's also very important is the scene with the looters, uh, which is oh, like yeah. a very, that's what oh, I was going to point out. That's what I was getting right. To. Which is like a very, it's a very uh, true to life thing that might happen during a hurricane, but but by showing us those alligators there that attack the looters, it's like it's just kind of like dropping a little uh, a, th a thread right there that I can later pull on. That's just kind of hanging there in the back of your mind. It's like, are they even going to be okay even if they get out of here? Like we don't know oh, how many yeah. gators and, are outside. Yeah, and uh, I do love the moment when that the whole sequence where the, the gators are taking out these looters who are across the the street from the house and they see that people are in the house and then suddenly these gators are on them. It's great. There's a moment where like the, 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 the guys looking off, one of the looters is looking off screen and behind him out of focus, you see this alligator jumping onto the boat with, <laughs> uh, with, uh, this other looter and she's screaming, but he can't hear over the hurricane. And it's just like, 
it's it's really well done, well executed. Aja, he's the man. He knows how to make a, yeah, a then, secret, how to ring it for all it's worth. Right. I think one of those other kills happened. Like you see, like in one of those corner mirrors, basically in the. Oh yeah, they're looting the a gas station. Store. Yeah, it's they're like, looting a convenience store. And yeah, right. It's like it was just like corner. another really creative way to like pull off one of those kills, and it's cool for them to be able to think of things to do like that because uh, you know in some movies of this nature like i bet the kills could easily end up feeling repetitive and they they find oh, a yeah. way to like uh and and with like the same thing with like the the police officer that eventually meets his fate we're in full on spoiler territory territory now like, I'll, I'll mark it in the in the description but you know like when the gator just jumps out from the cellar door and, and just grabs the dude's midsection it's like you know i feel like almost every single kill in the movie like not that there's that many but you know every attack feels pretty unique at least and that's and that's pretty important i think to making this thing stand apart from what could otherwise be a pedestrian movie oh yeah 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 like it could easily fall into i would like to uh i'm gonna bring up uh what was that movie called free fire which was the ben wheatley movie from i think 2015 2016 2017 actually yeah 2017 it is kind of the same concept where blood fest happening in this one confined area everyone just trying to get out except in this case in that case it was you know a gunfight between two sides uh one of the failings of that movie i felt is that it just ended up feeling too samey there wasn't a clear sense of geography where you couldn't really you didn't really know where everybody was in relation to one another uh and it ultimately ended up just being a bunch of guy people in a warehouse just shooting at each other for you know 90 minutes and you know, there was not a lot to break it up. Uh, this movie does a lot better in that regard. They take the action. It's well paced. They take the action from inside the crawl space to outside to, you know, these looters. And then, you know, as the house floods more and more, they're traveling up the house and it's really. And I think that crawl space is like you're mentioning. I, I, I honestly like I really wanted to like Free Fire because I liked a lot of the people in that movie and. Yeah. I, I, I I honestly found it pretty forgettable. Like I know I had some pretty specific problems with it, and I honestly can't even remember what they were now. But just that, like part of it might have been I didn't think anyone was really all that uh, charming in it, besides Army Hammer. But like I I don't know. I it was whatever. And here, like as far as the geography of it, though, you said the warehouse geography, and that didn't really work for you. And I, I can't disagree. But here, it's like you do get a pretty good sense of how a, a dark crawl space that dark crawl space is laid out. And I, that's a pet peeve of mine in general is just like things being too dark, whether it be in movies or TV shows just for effect. But like practically this is, has to be dark based on the premise of the movie and where it's taking place. And I felt like it did a pretty good job of like knowing where things were, where, where these bars were that the gators couldn't get through, where the, yeah. uh, where, where the entrance to the, the steps to the cellar, to the garage, what, where it was, where the, where that eventual, uh, floorboard is in the ceiling of the crawl space that leads into the house you know or where those bricks were that they could look through to the convenience store i felt like by the end of the movie like i had a pretty good sense of how i could get around in that thing yeah and that's important when you're talking about a movie that takes place in one building Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah, definitely, and uh, and and I and I agree. What what did you, about the uh, how it was kind of cool? How it, I mean, it's not like it was that creative. Of course, it has to move the action up as the thing is flooding. But you know, uh, I, I liked how it eventually worked its way into the house. And one of the benefits of doing that with that, and and another way in which it really scared me, uh, two ways actually. One being when she actually like has to force her way she has to find a way out and she's going to go in that drain pipe where they think the alligators got in and just that you already know that and that her dad has said that and then all of a sudden you see her freaking like foot right next to a bunch of baby alligator eggs that start hatching like that gave me the heebie-jeebies 
Like, yeah. like, like I, I, I try it's a scene not, right out of like an alien movie. I try not to talk or say things that much in like in theaters. Like I, I mean, I mean, I, 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 my etiquette's very good. If I'm there with someone else, I might whisper to them a couple times during the movie, and that's about the extent of it. I don't want to be the person yelling or talking. But I, like, right. I, I let out an audible Jesus Christ when I saw <laughs> when I saw the Gators. Like I just couldn't take it anymore. And luckily, I think my whole theater was on the same page, and they were like weirded out too, and no one no one thought twice about me saying that. But like I just couldn't take it. I thought she was gonna start getting bit by a bunch of baby killer alligators and i i i just kind of <laughs> convulsed in my seat yeah no i can feel that that was a creepy creepy sequence and it's just another you know example of the kind of different varieties of horror that are taking place within this one movie you've got this kind of weird uh body i mean not body horror but kind of body horror-esque thing going on in that scene uh jump scares are actually well employed here they feel actually you know not cheap uh, yeah, because the alligator, like, I guess the, the alligators, I mean, they, they are going to have to sneak up on them, you know? I mean, they're yeah, just, it's they're a hurricane, be it's a hurricane, things are happening quickly, and yeah, it, it, it works, it all works. And the other thing I was going to say about it, it, it like, the, the film working its way up in the house, was that once things do get to the first floor, I, I was so afraid that dog was going to get killed. I mean, oh my God! I, yeah, I, I, no. I told, I leaned over. I was watching the movie with our friend Josh Brown, and I leaned over to him and I said, "If that dog dies, this movie is getting two stars." Yeah, that's what's I, happening. <laughs> that's what's I, happening. In my head, I was like, "I feel like this is the kind of movie where like our like at least one of our heroes is going to survive, probably the girl, and like it might just be like too sad for like what I think this movie is going for if the dog also died." But they yeah. put that dog in so many precarious situations. I was like, God, I, I feel like they're about to set up the dog getting killed. And eventually it ends up being a fake out at that one point where the dog like get, gets out of the way soon enough. But then the, the dad gets his arm bit off or whatever. And I was like, good, good. I'd rather him lose an arm than we than us lose the dog. I was, exactly. I was very happy. But like, I mean, it was very effective just in like how they how they shot those scenes where like it, you could sense that like an alligator was about to be on screen and, our, and the dog like was in danger. And like you're just wait, you're just like you're, you're so terrible terrified about what is going to happen to that damn dog and i'm like god man this thing is like draining me yeah no i was i was yeah uh i do want to say that i think i believe i read somewhere that the uh that aja had another uh ending to the movie that was far darker i didn't actually read um what it was mm-hmm. but there was an apparently another ending that was like way darker i i i can't imagine what it is what it was and I, i'm glad they didn't go that route i was so relieved that we got you know that dog out there alive yeah i mean i guess it seems kind of like uh, us being little kids like wanting a happy ending <laughs> or something i i don't know i, I mean I, I i can stomach a dark ending in movies but like i just really didn't want that dog to get it you know uh like i don't know just a very good boy um yes but uh but yeah i mean i i don't know like i i i say it all the time when i talk about these horror movies and i just talked about it with midsummer and that like i typically don't enjoy jump scares that much i just it's not even that like oh my god i'm so afraid of it and i just hate hate being afraid but it normally just doesn't do much for me to have the jump scares that much but like i just said i i agreed with you and i thought it worked and you know i think this movie just had like a really strong idea of like what it wanted to do and even if i don't particularly like get off on jump scares as much as like maybe your biggest horror movie fans do like i just really respect like how well this movie 
was able to execute them, and that was more important to me than anything else. And yeah. that, that, that's like the biggest takeaway I have from this. It's like, yeah, the hurricane, like it provides a it provides a cool different setting that obviously forces uh, that pushes the events of this movie forward. But it's it's more about these gators, and the gators are pretty damn scary and the movie doesn't overstay its welcome it's incredible that it gets in and out in under 90 minutes and uh, it's still very very satisfying and and yeah i mean i, I don't really know if i have a i have a ton else to add but you know it's just also i did you know they filmed it in serbia i don't really know i did know that i did know that uh I mean, yeah I mean, whatever I, I, whatever you can do to keep that budget under 20 mil yeah this movie was made on like a 13 million dollar budget and that's really impressive to me yeah it did a pretty good job of like faking for rural florida i mean I, I would if you would put if you'd actually filmed like other central Florida towns I've been through and put it up next to this one I I probably could have told told you the difference but like it did a pretty good job of capturing what some of these smaller towns in the middle of the state that aren't that aren't right next to an interstate look like I I'll give it I'll give it that for Serbia and it's oh, pretty I, I just mean like you know just the scale to which like we're seeing like you know the production design yeah the, the, the CG whole... they see the alligators actually look you know pretty good especially you know as they uh, well that and just the wide shots outside the house with all the water yeah for sure uh but yeah i mean is there uh there anything else about this movie that you uh wanted to touch on i feel like we i mean we pretty well covered it like these these things are these things are really scary and it oh you know it's also cool that you know that we, they didn't have that many locations but the, the, the scene in the bathroom where she like that was that was a really cool quick set piece where she traps oh the yeah, thing yeah, in the, yeah. She traps the thing in the shower like I, I i like that a lot yeah some good shit right there um, yeah, I did, I did really like the movie. I don't know that I buy some of the takes that I've seen floating around that it's like a, the climate change horror movie of the era. I don't know if I buy that. I think it's just a hurricane <laughs> allows for some interesting set pieces and a creature feature. Uh, I don't re- I'm not reading into it that much. I, I doubt that well, anybody making the movie read into it that much. Yeah. Um, I don't know when this uh, when this script was written. I'm sure it, it like it had been around for at least some time. I don't know. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. It was announced in May 1st, 2008. That like that was um, that Aja, Aja would be directing it, uh, and production began in August of last year. You know, it's it is somewhat interesting timing that this happened. This movie comes out almost a little less than two years after Hurricane Irma it did come through the state and. You know, we hadn't had a lot of Category Five storms like make landfall uh, in the state in in some quite some time before that, and that was so unique in that it was just like it was so big that like there really wasn't any part of the state besides like the westernmost parts of the Panhandle that wasn't touched by Irma. And uh-huh. you know, that I mean, I I did feel like just that year that that 2017 hurricane season between that and Hurricane Harvey, like that was as much of a statement on climate change as like any movie could be just because those storms got like so big. And, you know, I feel like I wouldn't, I, as much as I'm saying that I liked that the movie got in and out in under 90 minutes, I think there is a way in which it could have done that. It could have done this, uh, had some kind of climate change message. And if they just added like 10 minutes to the movie and talked about some of the, the practical implications and the logistics of hurricane evacuation. I yeah, mean, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, disagree with you there i'm not i'm not saying i i i I certainly did not need it either i'm just saying that like that's what it could have done if it really wanted to get credit for doing that and and i but like short of doing that i don't really think it's saying anything about 
climate change, you know? Yeah. There could have been a way where they could have... It didn't have to be a lot. Like, they could have made some comments about how, like, like evacuation was impractical because of how it, the storm was going everywhere. Because, like I said, we just did just have that with Irma. Like, there, there was almost nowhere to go during Irma. You know, a lot of people stayed put because, like, there's going to be gridlock on I-95 or something like that, or I-75, you know? Like, she's, she's having to drive straight down 75 presumably for a lot of her trip to get there back back home and like there would have been there would have been quick subtle ways to show just like how precarious the situation was because the storm was just so big like central florida is central florida it's not on a coast you know they're 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 typically not going to have like seven feet of water in um in a central florida town in any hurricane but it could potentially could if it's something that's the scope of irma so you know there are ways to like kind of maybe get those points across where it's like hey if you want to talk about climate change you could have done it but i'm not giving the movie credit for that but i'm not like docking at points for that either because like that's a stupid expectation to put on movies is that they have to have some larger message about climate change if it's going to be about the elements or nature you know yeah this Uh, is just a solid ass b movie exactly what i wanted so kudos to you asha there we go so we it sounds like daniel and i both uh highly recommend this one so uh everyone should definitely check out crawl while it's still there i mean we're about to hit a pretty busy point in summer movie season but you know this is one that's like more than doable on a weeknight you know you're not like devoting like way too much of an evening to it you'd have time to do it after you get off work um and then take care of that before you're devoting like two hours and 40 minutes to once upon a time in hollywood next week or something like mm-hmm. that you know this, this is something that's easily doable after work one night so both highly recommend that you check this out uh but now we're going to move on and talk about uh another movie that is of a very different genre and that is stuber it's the new action comedy from uh, michael douse i believe is his name uh written by tripper clancy uh produced by jonathan goldstein and john francis daly who you know they were the minds behind another somewhat of an action comedy last year in game night which is you know oh for real i did not know that yes they they directed uh game night and uh you know so they know a thing or two about that that was like one of my top five movies of last year if i uh am i remembering my list correctly so i guess they got in on producing this one which stars uh, kumail nanjiani and dave batista uh kumail plays Stu, who is an uber driver which is probably the best part of this movie is, it, <laughs> is its name and how it gets to it and uh he is a uh just a guy that lives in los angeles and works at a sporting goods store but i guess has saved up money to go in on starting a, a woman's spin studio with his friend and uh love of his life becca played by betty gilpin and he's just living his life and thinks he's gonna go hang out and uh take his relationship to the next level with uh with uh, Becca one night when uh, all of a sudden uh, Vic, who is a Los Angeles Department Police Detective played by uh, Dave Batista, jumps into his Uber and hijacks him and he wants to go catch a drug dealer who killed his partner at the beginning of the movie. And uh, hilarity ensues. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's a straight comedy, so we're not going to overanalyze this movie, but, you know, I think it really is like kind of a force of nature comedic performance from Dave Bautista, who, you know, is actually like done a lot of different types of movies in a relatively short acting career because i mean he's been a guy that's been famous for some time because of uh being a professional wrestler but you know it's really just in the last like five years where he's really uh kind of expanded his um his filmography in terms of the kind of movies he's acted in and i actually haven't seen too many of them you know i i really enjoy him in the uh guardians movies and i really thought he actually like showed me that he really was capable of a lot of different things in that first scene that he's in in blade runner 2049 
fine. Uh, but other than that, like I just hadn't seen a lot of his movies. And I was talking to Daniel about him uh, last time when we were t- talking about upcoming movies after our last podcast. And he said, and you just started like rattling off like all these different kinds of movies you've seen him in. And I- I'm kind of curious, like it, it, while he is used for like comic relief a lot in um, in the Guardians movies, like this is a little different in that he's like not under a bunch of makeup and CGI like he is when he's playing Drax. He's um, and, and he's leading like a fully live action movie as like the comedic co-lead. So uh, can you talk a little bit about like how you've seen Dave Bautista evolve as an actor, someone who's watched a decent chunk of his films? And what are you thinking when you see that, oh, he's going to go lead a buddy cop movie, essentially? Well, most of the stuff that I've seen him in has been uh, action oriented. Right. Uh, VODB movies. Uh, he plays, I think, the villain in Kickboxer Vengeance. Uh, he plays the hero of Final Score, which was Die Hard set in a soccer stadium. And he mm-hmm. was uh, the hero of Bushwick, which was this, uh, uh, like, done in, like, you know, made to look like one take sort of movie about a military invasion of the United States centered in Bushwick. Uh, and he's trying to lead this girl to an evacuation zone. Oh, and he was the villain in earlier this year, uh, Master Z, which was the Ip Man spinoff. Um, it's really interesting. That he's like kind of like gone in and out of like action B movie uh, stints doing those kind of things when he has been like in all these major Hollywood productions, too. Yeah, it's funny. He's, he's the same dude in Spectre and Blade Runner and the Avengers movies. Well, he's like very he underused in Spectre. Like I, because Spectre came out after the first Guardians. I was like, man, like this guy can actually act. So I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He like barely has <laughs> any lines in Spectre. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, this movie, Stuber, while it is, you know, an action stu- studio action comedy, it is also kind of in, uh, it's like a, it's kind of like a, direct-to-video B-movie that somehow managed to escape and make it onto the big screen, <laughs> and I love it all the more for it, man. Fucking love Stuber. What, what did you like so much about it? Because, like, you know, I don't think, like I said, I don't think there's a ton to analyze. I'm just almost ashamed of, like, how much I laughed at some of the dumb physical comedy in it. You know, they, <laughs> yeah, got, like, they, s- got, they got, like, way too much mileage out of him having LASIK surgery. It, it, like, <laughs> I, I, I was, like, ashamed of myself for laughing as much of, at him, like, stumbling and, like, having to... Oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah, that's why, that's, why the char- that's why the character ends up picking up, like, an Uber and forcing our hero, Stu, to go on this misadventure. It's because he had lasik surgery and so he can't drive so he needs to call an uber that's the level that's the level of intelligence going on here and i it's fucking great look here's the thing here's the thing well i'm sorry i completely blanked out on what you asked me no i'm just saying what i mean like what did you like most about it because like I, okay, okay. I, I i just laughed a ton at this stupid physical comedy stuff and like i i'm yeah, ashamed this of it, movie but, like, rides and dies on Dave Batista and Kumail Nanjiani. Am I pronouncing his name right? I believe so. Nanjiani. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it lives and dies on their, you know, their ability to sell this sort of comedy, and it really, really works. You know, he plays a beta male to take a name off of his stand-up special. He, uh, Kumail plays like a a beta male sort of guy. You know, he's kind of a loser. He works a dead end job. He pines for this girl, you know, who's his friend, and then Dave Batista is, you know. You know this movie. You know you've seen this movie before. I'm not gonna lie. You've seen this movie before. Uh, he's a you know uber masculine dude who resorts to violence at the drop of a hat. Um, laser focused on his job to the detriment of his personal life and his relationship with his daughter. 
and they both learn a little bit of something from one another. I'm not going to lie here. Uh, the, the the social politics, the sexual politics of this movie, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're a little confused. You know, on the one hand, it is a movie about, you know, that, you know, trying to teach that, you know, men don't have to be this model of a man, you know, uh, where like, you know, violence has to be your first and last resort and this and that. On the other hand, the stuff about this dude pining for his, this best friend, like it, 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 it seems to want to say something, you know, uh, nuanced about, you know, this sort of kind of toxic way that we approach that men approach, you know, female friendships and relationships. And I don't know that it actually does that. It, it comes really close to creepy. Uh, but, uh, like I got to throw my hands up in the air and say that when he's, you know, in the middle of a gunfight throwing paint cans while screaming at the top of his lungs, I'm willing to ignore it. I'm willing to give that a pass. I'm willing to give it a pass because at the end of the day, this was like an hour, 40-minute comedy, action comedy that manages to combine the action with the comedy in a really organic pretty good way. I mean, it doesn't compare to the likes of the villain of the movie is Ikuo Weiss, who at this point is known for either uh, his excellent foreign action films, mm. you know, the Raid series, uh, the movies that he's done with Timo over in Indonesia, or he's known for being really underutilized by American productions. For example, uh, I, I would even say even this past year, Triple Threat underutilizes him. What's it called? Do you remember Mile 22? Did not see that. Yeah, well, nobody did. And uh, I heard from what I hear, it also, you know, severely underutilized his martial skills. He's using the, he was in The Force Awakens, too, and I had no idea. Yeah, and that was horrible. Yeah, he was, you remember, the, you remember that sequence in the spaceship that seemed like it was out of, like, a Disney ride or something like that, where the alien is attacking uh, Han Solo and uh, the two kids? Oh. Yeah, see, nobody remembers that sequence because it's not very good. And it takes the guys from the raid and it just kills them using a CGI monstrosity. It sucks. It's a bad. Anyways, anyways, tangent. <laughs> um, this movie, the action is, you know, it's not up to the standards of Equal Ways' best work, of course, or even Dave Bautista's best work. But it's, well, it's pretty. The- well, and it's pretty decent as an action movie, I would say. Well, I think and the, as an a, action comedy, it's fucking great. That there's a knockdown fight between Kumail and Dave Bautista, right. and it might be one of the funniest things that I've seen this decade. Well, yeah, it kind of subverts the expectations you have going into any action movie because there aren't a lot of like, aside from really the opening sequence uh, where he, I mean, where he is going after uh, Tejo and. Uh, his partner's killed. There aren't a lot of like exceptionally well done hand to hand combat scenes or anything like that by design. Like it's sloppier, you know. Like you said, they're like like shooting dudes while they throw paint cans in the air, or having a knockdown slug out fight like that's like ex- extremely sloppy through a sporting goods store, or like like shoot it, having a shootout where like 
things are broken up because you are breaking sriracha bottles in the air. Like, you know, like <laughs> there, there, there really isn't like, there's almost like no sequence after like beyond like that first one where it's like a, a, a regular thing and a not that you would find in just an action movie. And yeah, it is action comedy, but like it finds ways to like be really entertaining uh, without like having like, super convoluted uh or i don't want to say convoluted but like just super well-made uh, tightly choreographed action scenes you know it's 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 decidedly not like it's a john wick movie which is like it which is fun you know it's like which they is find, fine and they, I still they find other ways to make it look decent. and i would still say and i'd say that it even then the action is still it's still decent uh thank you john wick for making action directors all over america actually kind of give something of a shit no, yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I got to say, this is a movie that is just a blast for me to watch. It was just hilarious. Uh, at first, I was a little like, uh, is this going to be just another one of these studio comedies that I watch? And I go, oh, God, there's a lot of dead weight just waiting for us to laugh. But no, it's pretty tight. Uh, lots of, you know, fun little one-liners here and there. Uh, there's a sequence where, like, somebody, one of the characters calls Stu Stuber, and uh, Dave Bautista just starts laughing and says, that's a great pun. And it's that kind of, like, it's that level of uh, comedy that, you know, probably in other hands wouldn't work. But when it's Dave Bautista and Kumail Nanjiani giving these lines... It just becomes the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, that's the other thing I'll say is that, like, yeah, he is somewhat of a beta male, obviously, uh, compared to Dave Batista, but they don't like let him totally like shrink from shrink from the moment, and like they they allow him to like do what he does pretty well and get off a lot of those one liners and like and, and give Batista a lot of shit, which like makes it funny. So it's not like so lopsided, like this guy just dragging him around against his will the whole movie. Uh, if he just been kept, kept getting beaten down the whole entire time and uh, really not landing any punches, uh, not just physical, but also metaphorically, you know, it, it might have gotten a little old, but it was funny to watch him just kind of like talk shit right back at him too. And that made it just a more, a more fun dynamic throughout. And again, like you said, a hundred minutes, it's actually only like 90, it's closer to 90 minutes. So again, oh, like, yeah, again, uh, talking about two pretty quick movies here tonight, but like that, that was another one. It was just like, you know, it, it got in and out pretty fast before like anything did have a chance to really kind of feel old. Like they, it, it did, it, it just, it just moved along, which, which is, I mean, I guess kind of the point in any kind of like movie where you're about an Uber driver that keeps taking someone to different places. But, you know, like it was really fun. Like even like digressions, like the thing at the male strip club, like I feel like, you know, in lesser hands, that would have just felt like really, really, really like inessential. But like I got a, I got a big kick out of like his scene with like that really, really um, – understanding and uh kind male stripper like i did I, <laughs> even simultaneously while recognizing that it was somewhat problematic how they handled the betty gilpin character and that stuff was not great bob like mm. I, I i i i i thoroughly enjoyed him kumail and him going back and forth yeah just a whole lot of fun <laughs> i i could probably stand to see it again oh other thing uh i really like jimmy tatro uh do you see american vandal Ooh. Oh, wait, that's who he was. Yeah. Okay. I was staring at him thinking, I know who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, so you watch American Vandal. He played Dylan in American is. Vandal. Oh, my God. Yeah. There he is. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was great. And also, if you're listening, American Vandal, if you haven't seen it, get on that. 
Yeah. Dylan uh, is great. I didn't actually realize that guy's actually like a big like YouTube star. And I, I mean, I, oh, I is he? he's, he's in 22 Jump Street and uh, that and American Vandal, are the only other things I'd seen him in, but like, he's like incredible. And he's in one of American Vandal and like, he's playing a very specific char- type of character here, but he really nails what that character is. Yeah. All the performances are really great, uh, from the entire cast. Uh, the, the, uh, the daughter, uh, Dave Bautista's daughter is great. Even the best friend character, I think, does a decent job with what little she's given. Good shit. Good shit, man. Yeah. So uh, any other final thoughts on that before we sign off? Uh, no, man. I got nothing else other than this is the problem with talking about a comedy. Sometimes it it just comes down to, man, I laughed a lot. It's great. You know, there's just so much that I, I, I it's hard to, you know. Yeah, you know, if, if you're not someone that, like, typically goes for dumb, like, slapstick comedy maybe it's not for you but like i feel like i don't see a ton of those movies these days and I, there might not be as many of them made but like i i don't know like i i i i i i can go for pretty easy crude humor but it's also pretty easy to do that kind of thing wrong and i i feel like this probably gets more, more right than it gets wrong so absolutely absolutely one of the best of the year <laughs> go out go out and see it all right before we sign off anything you want to plug uh random uh random video game you happen to be playing movie or personal letterbox anything Oh, well, actually, um, see, I had been in the market for, like, another TV show to watch, and especially, like, an action TV show. I tried Warrior, which was uh, one of these on the, one of these premium channels, uh, martial arts show set in, like, the West, and it just was bad. It just was just too much grit, too much, oh, it's a bunch of manly men cursing, and there's a lot of violence. It's really hmm. dark. And I get tired of that stuff this is what i hate about the current age of tv there's a whole lot of gritty you know uh depressing crap but then somebody turned me on to cobra kai Mm. and i gotta tell you man cobra kai is one of the best fucking tv shows of this decade hands down it is a great you know i went in looking for just people kicking other people in the face (laughs) and it ended up being this really nuanced character drama about trying to move on from the past trying to be a better person than you were the day before failing and trying again anyways there's a meta commentary about you know our culture's uh worship of the past without any sort of you know reconciling with what it actually what is actually going down without any you know, desire to move on forward past it. Uh, and yeah, the kicking is really good too. The kicking is really good too. Uh, so get YouTube premium, get that free trial month and watch it in a weekend because these are 30 minute episodes and exactly what I was looking for. Go see it. All right. That's, that's a good one. Like, uh, how familiar do you have to be with like the karate kid movies? Oh, not at all. I only saw like half of the first one and then I stopped because I didn't like it. Um, I never saw any of the other ones. And I actually like the Jaden one. Can't lie, even though it shouldn't be called Karate Kid. <laughs> it's not doing karate, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I had no you know, refer- reference point for the original series. And yet it still really, really works. And yeah. it's not too like overly reverential of the movie. All the, st- all the callbacks and such, of which there are many, they all are organic. They all are purposeful they all advance the characters it's great all right uh 
Sounds good. Uh, as usual, I'll plug my uh, Twitter and letterbox, Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. The podcast Twitter is Rewind Movie Pod. Coming up next, we're going to have a podcast on The Lion King. I'll be joined by Marvel correspondent uh, Maya and Disney slash Pixar correspondent Joe. We're going to triple team that one and go all out on it. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. And thanks to Daniel for joining us. We'll see you next time.